Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Cannot ask for a good gracious. You can't ask for a better intro than that. Although we can't live up to the great film that is 2001: A Space Odyssey or Elvis. Or Elvis. Speaking of Elvis, I went and saw the movie, um, which I thought I thought was a decent movie. That was a decent movie. Uh, there were some musical choices in the movie that I thought were highly suspect and highly questionable. What, did they have like a trap remix of Yes, Elvis? yes, there, there were. Elvis is walking through the streets of Memphis in the mid to late 50s with this trap beat on the, in the background. Well, it, know, it, see, it made no sense. And then, the, and then there was some really, really bad, cheap, I mean extremely bad and cheap CGI. Um, certain scenes that you could tell they were trying to save money on, and he said, "I'll put put them behind a green screen. And we'll fix it in post." Was it like one of the scenes um, um, whenever he was at the one stadium? Um, I forget. I'm drawing a blank on the stadium in Hawaii. No, not not Hawaii, but whenever he was early on, and they, oh, they yeah. cut him off. Was that the CGI scene? There was one of the. There was also another one where he's getting on an airplane. You can tell that it's just ooh, mm, <clears throat> bad. They're not really sending bad. their best. Um, but I, I just, I get that it's expensive to make movies, and I get shooting on location and getting all the right period accurate stuff. It might is expensive, and it takes time. But, man, it just looks so much better when it's real. It really does. And I get there's some things you can't do for real. Like, I was watching some... Uh, some videos of Lord of the Rings, and there's certain scenes in Lord of the Rings you can't do for real. Okay, let's just be honest; it's just not possible. Like I, the sea and sea of men and running into a desert or whatever. I yeah, I get that. Or when they, <laughs> when they open the gates to uh, to the to, to Mount Doom, yeah, okay, I get it. I, you can't do that for real. But getting on an airplane, that you can do for real. What's the rule? Because airplanes do exist. So what's the rule of thumb whenever it comes to when you look at the best films of all time with you know visually? Uh, they're done practically, except whenever it's impossible. Right. When it's in, in, the laws of the universe do not allow this to happen. Right. That's whenever. For a great example: the new Top Gun movie. They can't actually blow up these planes. I mean, they can. They but... could, but that'd be really expensive. I don't think Tom Cruise. I mean, he's got Scientology money, but he doesn't have. 
He doesn't have that. He doesn't have, you know, like, I guess, you know, Rockefeller money. Or you whatever. said that, and that now we got a big target. Watch out. They got scopes. <laughs> the Scientologists got scopes. You know what's funny about Tom Cruise being proven right now about some of these psychoactive drugs? Um, so, so-called chemical imbalance. There was an interview he did with uh, the disgraced Matt Lauer about, um, I think it was like in 2004 or whatever, talking about all this stuff, and he's been proven right. But forever, for, since henceforth since then, he's been called a crackpot crazy guy. But hey, old Tammy Cruz has been proven right. Now, who knows? That's just him smarts talker. That's Scientology talking. Well, I guess the world will never know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But who knows? Someone, I'm sure someone knows. But the only thing that we can know is that we are back. That's right. Um, I will take full responsibility for the hiatus that um, insinuated and um, engulfed this program for a long time. So much so that I thought about um, putting something out about it. But then I'm like, wow, the one person that listens to this um, will will have an episode for a few weeks. No, I was um, finishing up college. I'm actually now done. So round of applause for surviving that. Um, no, no, insanity. Jazz hands, jazz hands. J- oh, sorry, yeah, jazz hands. We don't, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to trigger anybody's sensibilities. We, we, not <laughs> their sensibilities. Um, no, I was finishing up college, and to requ- the requirement for me to do that um, entailed me to take one class, which would normally be in over a 16-week period, in only three weeks. Wow. So the workload would have been like having four or five classes all at once, so... Not even joking, 90% of my time when I wasn't working was doing school. I would do school until I go to work, and then I'd come home from work, and I would do school till about 10, 11 o'clock at night, and that was my life for the last three weeks. But um, as unrelated as the class was to my degree, which is typically the case when it comes to most colleges now, unfortunately, um, I actually did really enjoy it. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, it was a class on art, and uh, I really did enjoy learning more about medium and learning more about. Um, in fact, I probably learned more um, just with my own curiosity, scouring the web, and uh, and learning about it than actually in the class. But you know, I learned all the all the the technical terms of the different genres and different time periods, and all that's fine. Uh, but different techniques of finger painting, I'm but, sure. Well, yes, there's there are dozens. <laughs> there are dozens of techniques of finger painting. That's what. That, honestly, three weeks, three weeks of that class, a whole week of it was just on finger painting. <laughs> you know, one day Da Vinci, eh, you know, thirty three percent of the class was finger painting. <laughs> hey man, they take that stuff seriously. Uh, but no, the, I'm done with college. So as far as uploads, will be more consistent than they have in the past because I just won't have um, anything else really to, to do with my extra time and obviously that will be filled with other stuff but uh, at the for, for the time being the show is back and the show will continue on I don't really know what this show is going to turn into I've had a lot of ideas about what um, the Standing Brothers show will be in the future I know we will we, we will still always be a current events podcast that focuses on celebrity and focuses on the tenets of you know Austrian economics and all these other sort of things but uh, maybe branching out into other discussions of other things at some point too depending on um, how we're feeling well I mean I always, I always love talking about movies That's yeah I, 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 I really have doing. enjoyed talking about 
um, entertainment and film and movies and music on this podcast a lot. So whatever that looks like, whatever that turns into, we don't not 100% sure yet. I also do know that a lot of people do enjoy our political um, commentary as much as I hate politics. Um, they do enjoy our our the way that we approach certain situations and current events and news that relates to America and the world through the lens of somebody um, who is can't identify with any side of the political sphere of America. Uh, so I, some people find that to be fascinating. And, you know, we'll still do stuff like that. I still have, I mean, the show is, uh, to- the topics on this show are going to be evident of that as well. But, you know, I'm not sure. I like talking about other stuff as well. So leave us a comment. <laughs> Leave us a comment if you want more discussions on movies and TV shows and music. You know, I do have my album of the year dot org account that I review music for. So I felt that like if I if I if I you know at the, at the end of the show did did a two or three minute review on an album. It's like well I've already repeated something that I've said previously. So I'm not sure if that would be useful to people's time or be a waste of their time. Uh, I would just direct you to to. Uh, to my album of the year account, which today I crossed 100 reviews. I've been busy at that thing. I've, re- I've reviewed 100 pieces of music, whether it be um, singles, EPs, or LPs. I've reviewed 100 pieces. And for my 100th uh, review, I did Abbey Road. I kind of gave a little quick paragraph or two about Abbey Road and why it's why it is worth your time if you have not listened to it. So... There you go. Yeah, that's okay. kind of what the show is going to be right. about. And I got an idea for the first TV show we should review once you have uh, finished it. Miss Marvel. Uh, yes, I, you read my mind. Anyway, so let's get right into it, shall we? As Mike Lazowski <laughs> once said, "Shall we?" <clears throat> let's get in right. Let's get right into it. So, in the continuing saga, the continuing saga that is the war in Ukraine, the fight for freedom and independence, the fight to throw off the tyrants and the autocrats of the Eastern European world to tell that bald Putin guy to, 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 to go home and take his ball. Vladimir Zelensky, the, the, the Churchill of our time, when he's not fighting bare-fisted with the Russian soldiers himself, when he's kicking out the oligarchs and he's, he's, just, he's, he's supporting the Nazis or whatever, when he's not doing that, he's taking glamour shots for Vogue magazine. That's right, you heard it. When, when Vladimir Zelensky is not, you know, going mano a mano with all the Russian soldiers trying to break into the capital, he and his wife are taking glamour shots in front of burnt-out buildings and uh, cratered homes and pl- airplanes that have crashed and burned up. He's taking glamour shots. Man, the, the Churchill parallels are striking. Striking, I tell you. I, I, it's it's mind-numbingly stupid. On, I, every day, every single day that passes, every single day, I feel more and more vindicated that I have been right about this thing from the beginning. From the very beginning, I have been just vindicated. Oh, Joe, you are so right. And you know why I've been right and so many others have been right? It's because this thing was a shit, was a, was a, a sham from the beginning. The whole thing was. And, and, and when, and when, when Zelensky and his government are not, you know, taking, you know, glamour pictures in front of, um, you know, all, all the, the stuff that's been, you know, burnt out, 
in, in the in the city. It was fake. That Vogue photo she was fake with um with the first lady in front of the the busted aircraft. Yeah, with the, yeah, it was fake. It's they all had fake. they had pictures of it. It was a completely fake um set. They they built a set with this airplane and these um um troops that were surrounding it. It's completely fake. So when he's not doing that, and I get it, in, in the middle of a war, he has time to do this. Seriously. In, in, a, in a war, you've got time to do this? This is. I like, thought you are fighting for your very survival. This would have been like Dwight D. I, Dwight D. Eisenhower um, in, in 1940s Europe taking time for a photo shoot, a, a, a glamour photo shoot, while he's um, liberating um, Auschwitz and all these other camps. No, w- w- the, a great parallel of this is that Dwight D. Dwight D. Eisenhower is a big golfer, huge golfer. So in the middle of the of the Second World War, he's taking glamour shots at Augusta National with the PGA pros at the time. That's what this would have been. It would have been Winston Churchill laying on the beach like 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 Chris Christie in the middle of the pandemic. Oh, good Lord, no. Same thing. My eyes, my eyes. <laughs> can, can you imagine that? I believe we're out of ice and cigars. Uh, anyway. But so when they're not doing the the fake photo shoots, guess what they're doing? They're sending out lists of enemy journalists of the state. You heard that right? You, yes, you heard. The people who are fighting for freedom are sending out lists of journalists who aren't towing the line. Yeah, you, yeah. Let me say that again. They're sending out lists of journalists who are not towing the official government Ukrainian government line on the war. You heard that right. Furthermore, they're banning members of fellow uh, party members in the country. Like the, the political parties, they banned one. Why? Because they're not they're not they're not in line, they're not in lockstep with Vladimir, right? That that party also happens to hold about ten percent of the seats in the Ukrainian parliament or government or whatever, whatever they have over there. What was the list they released of so the, there the was list, Americans too that the were list that they released can, well. can, uh, included people by the names of John Mearsheimer Glenn Greenwald Tulsi Gabbard, Rand Paul all these people were enemies of the state Douglas McGregor another one, he's, he's an enemy Jacob because he dares tell the truth about what's going on yeah, here it um, is right here. Yeah, Russian, Tulsi Gabbard. Russian propagandist. This is from Zero Hedge. Um, it includes um, a whole list of people as well. But yeah, Tulsi Gabbard's on here as well. Um, as you said, Glenn, Glenn Greenwald is on here. Y- yeah, just a... And you know what's funny is that... Purveyors of Russian propaganda. The, the insanity has hit an all-new high. This is the equivalent of... <laughs> <laughs> this is the equivalent of Mr. Leahy mowing the air, Randy. I'm mowing the air, Randy. This is stupid. This is dumb. Dumb, I tell you. This is dumb. If you're still like, oh, well, man, Ukraine's got him on the ropes, Jacob. It's just one one, one punch knockout. That's what it's going to take. No, they're losing. They're going <laughs> to lose. And this is just further evidence that, you know, you know all that money that was sent over to Ukraine? Tax dollars. U.S. tax dollars, and the Ukrainian government has the gall to demand more U.S. tax dollars and more weapons. They say, hey, you ain't doing enough, America. You, you haven't fleeced your people enough to fight our war. Meanwhile, they're sending out lists of American journalists, Ameri- brave men and women like Douglas McGregor, 
who have fought this country, uh, fought for this country bravely. Same with Tulsi Gabbard. People who tell the truth about what's going on in, in this government and other governments. Glenn Greenwald. You can even put in Tulsi Gabbard and Rand Paul and John Mearsheimer. They have the absolute audacity to say that they are Russian propagandists. No more of this. No, no more of this. And Ted Cruz, could you please explain why you voted to give the, the Ukrainians that money? What are we getting for it? What are we getting for it? There is nothing to show for it. So if we're going to be sending money to them, stop the photo shoots, please. Because you're, you're rubbing it in our face. That, that joke of a human being, Zelensky, you know what? He ought to be, he ought to be thrown out of power because this is, this, this is not how you win a war. Like, I, I know nothing about warfare, but this ain't it. This ain't it. I know very little about nothing, but I know this. You know, this isn't working. Even, they're not even saying things that are that, that, are that like, controversial. Um, you know, you, you can just, I know that it's, it's pretty tough to find, but you can find headlines before the war, like two or three, not even that long ago, just two or three years ago, uh, and how, how they talked about Ukraine. Um, the Guardian once wrote, welcome to Ukraine, the most corrupt nation in, in Europe. Reuters wrote, Ukraine's neo-Nazi problem. Full, um, new, Ukraine full of human trafficking. New Europe wrote, Ukrainian's president's rule becomes increasingly corrupt and authoritarian. I think this was um, CBS. Well, unless they're banning political parties because that's fighting for freedom. Yes. Um, NBC, Ukraine's deadly profession. Three journalists attacked in July. So, but, but Jamal Khashoggi. V- Vox once wrote, a, a Ukrainian comedian turned president is embroiled in Trump's impeachment mess. So, <laughs> so you have headlines like so you stupid. have headlines like that, where two or three years ago, completely normal, it was it, it was factually correct, and it was the going narrative that Ukraine. You can even go back to comments that that Obama and comments that Biden have said that Ukraine was a corrupt country that is perhaps one of the most corrupt nations in all of Europe. And that they shouldn't be trusted. This was this was this was this was the common narrative. But February twenty twenty two, that all of a sudden flipped. All of a sudden, we, if you people are bending over backwards, trying to out support you, out support this 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 country, which, look, I've said many many times, if you want to go out. And help the the refugee crisis that are caused by this. Fine, I, I don't think anyone is is against you going out and helping the civilians who had nothing to do with anything of this, who had no say into their corrupt government, had no say into what Russia is doing to their to their land. That's not what I'm talking. about. I'm talking about is sending billions of dollars to a government that is corrupt. There there is a difference there. You can I I know I I know I know this is a Difficult position for some people to understand and people to grasp, but you can feel and want to help the innocent people in the situation while condemning the bloodthirsty monsters at the same time. I know, radical. It, it, it's it, it. The amount of mental gymnastics that you need to do this so it makes Simone Biles blush. I know this is this is crazy, but it is possible, and that is what I think a lot of the people, a lot of Americans are, are beginning to turn to. I think that I have seen f- the, the lowest amount of, of Ukrainian support um, as of right now because, 
of of garbage like this. And of course, you'll get the the morons on Twitter who will say, "Oh yeah," um, who will say things such as like Glenn Greenwald's in the pockets of, of Putin, and you know, it is amazing that Tulsi Gabbard can be a Assange puppet and a Putin puppet at the same time. The amount of she must be bil- a billionaire by now with, with all the money that she's getting from Syria and from. And from uh, Russia, she she just must have a herself a mansion over there in Hawaii, because um, of all because of all the all the dirty money that she's been getting uh, from peddling these um, um, di- these evil dictators. That's what we're uh, told. Yeah. So uh, speaking of John Mearsheimer, the great sin that he has uh, committed was the fact that he blames the Russian Ukrainian crisis on America. He blames it on the West. He says that this is solely the West's fault as far as this uh, war that they're involved in now. Um, I don't know how that is being a Russian propagandist. Now, you may agree or disagree with, with his thinking on that, which, okay, fine. <clears throat> but he's putting the, the, the blame at the feet of, of the American government, of the, the, the U.S. war machine. How is that any way in related to being a Russian puppet or a Russian stu- a Putin puppet? H- how is that in any way, shape, or form, you know, uh, a, a Russian propagandist? It's it's so mind-numbingly stupid. It makes your it makes your ears and eyes bleed for having to see it and hear it. That's that's all it does. It's about as bad as um, <laughs> it's, about, it's about as bad as that Morbius. There it is. It's, if you're if you're gonna make a comparison, it's it's Morbius. There you go. Yeah. So anyway, um, but the, but you know what? This is going to end at some point, and when it does, it's going to be. Or will good. they let it end? It's it's going to have to end at some point. Cause this this can't go on forever. Now I have heard a lot of bad things that could be a result of all of this. I know that I know that Douglas McGregor's talked about this. That um, it, it might have been McGregor. Sorry if it's not. I uh, I apologize. But there was someone um, who I respect on this a lot said that we could have a new Afghanistan where there is no winner mm-hmm. and we just have constant endless chaos and fighting and maybe at some point you know the um, the direct military strikes and assaults may come to an end but as far as a victor and as far as um, you would have a, you'd have a brand new Afghanistan, where there's just no clear winner and it's complete chaos and turn the whole country into turmoil for a few decades. Honestly, that's kind of what I'm leaning more towards. Uh, obviously, I think that Russia will eventually become victorious in all of this. Uh, I don't see, I, I don't see their economy um, falling anytime soon the fact that the ruble has fully recovered i mean the russians are doing better than ever yes the fact that they are that they're not going to be suffering as far as energy exports which is their number one export i i don't see them i i don't see as as predicted we knew we said in this podcast once they talked about banning russian oil and everything else we said that somebody else will buy it that's not how oil... They're not just going to set it on fire. Yeah, they're not just going to put it on a tanker truck and just say, oh, f- for sale, best offer. You know, this is not a, a eBay listing that's going to expire. No, somebody will buy this. Somebody will want this product 
And from what I've seen, they're actually selling it for below market value. They're they're giving people discounts. I know I know that India and China have both gotten discounts, I believe, on their um, crude exports. Which it, look, they're not gonna be hurting by this. The whole idea of you know we'll we'll be the sacrifice on the home front so we can so we can um, uh, so we have the sacrifice at at the pump so that way we can hurt Putin. It's not true. Uh, none of that happened, which makes the whole argument of this the Putin price hike even even worse. Whenever you see that that they're not well, suffering. Well, for instance, so uh, Putin was to blame for the for the increase in gas prices. Now that the gas prices have come down, do we also thank Putin for the for the drop in gas prices? I just can't wait for for President Biden's Twitter account to say, "I'd like to solemnly thank Vladimir Putin for the for the." Uh, right. But they are they are talking about gas prices and they, they have they have come down. Um, I don't know what the I haven't checked the. I think the national average is below four dollars a gallon now. I think it's below. Yeah, so you have to check two metrics if you want to check gas prices. I mean, obviously you can check the triple triple A obviously. But if you want to see what the prices might be in a couple of weeks, you can go to Wall Street Journal or see or CNBC, and then you just go not companies, sorry, commodities. Go to the go to the markets tab and then just go to commodities and you can see what the futures look like for crude. Uh, crude is right now below a hundred bucks, so that's a good sign if you want gas price to come down. And then you also can look at the unleaded gasoline futures and you can see where they're trending. And the last month they have been trending down, which is what we're seeing now. So uh, the last month they have the gasoline unleaded futures have dropped by about 11.5%. So that is to be expected that we're seeing a decrease in uh, price. And of course, this is a continuous contract, so you can't um, like play down to the future. Whereas I think the the crude contract, I think is the next month's contract. So you can kind of see what they're what, what, what folks will, will, will be paying one month from now for a barrel of oil. That's how futures contracts work. So you can check that, and that's kind of give you an idea of what because I think that these numbers are going to so whenever you see a decrease in unleaded gasoline or, or crude futures, you might see the reflection of that into the price of the pump a few weeks down the line or a few but a few weeks in the line, I would say, uh, before you can um, start seeing a price increase or, or downcrease or oh, decrease. When I say downcrease, this is having a word. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, that that's what I would check. And you know we are seeing it. We are seeing that. And I think that that's not personally. I think that, that is not a reflection of a increase of production or anything that any. Okay, here we go. Anything positive that the U.S. government is doing. That's what they're doing. That's negative. And I think you're seeing a decrease in the prices of these futures contracts because of the big R word that is. That is surrounding the economy right now, as you saw the Fed. Those of you who who do your homework and do do diligence saw that the Fed increased interest rates um, by 0.75 points. Which I don't know if they've updated the bonds rates yet, and they have not. Okay, so they're gonna tomorrow. The uh, effective Fed funds rate should should be at two point. Two five, still probably too low, but uh, they raised the rates. <clears throat> and why they raised the rates, Joe? Because inflation. Well, that and to hopefully not go to a big R word. 
Recession. Recession. Which apparently now we can just we can just wish away. We can just like it just. What did Janet Yellen say, Joe? Wait, what's the next story? What did Janet Yellen say <clears throat> about that? Oh, so Janet Yellen um, said that um, oh, I can't remember what it is now. Um, that uh, that the recession really isn't what you think it is, and she said that uh, technically, uh, even though there's some that some economists that disagree with this, that the technical definition of recession is two consecutive quarters with negative GDP. That's now, what it's been for, I don't know how long. Now, that is arbitrary because they just, it's, that's not an economic law. Does that make sense? No. That's not set in stone. That's just something that economists kind of go by as, oh, if we see this, that means the economy is going down. Although, it, it takes a long time for these economic, fun, these economic houses of, uh, of research, if you will, takes them a long time to actually declare a recession because there's a lot of things that they look for. Like in 2008, they didn't declare it a recession officially until we were almost out of it. So this kind of stuff happens all the time. Now, it's not me uh, trying to... It's, it's not me trying to, you know, downplay at all what she said. When it comes to economists, they all... they it, It's a very kind of confusing uh, thing. But, the, but, the, but I think the big point to take away from this is, is that... Um, they are the only reason why they're saying that is because well you you can't go in the, into the midterms with everyone saying recession 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 you can't you can't have that so of course Janet Yellen that 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 lady who runs the treasury <laughs> that lady uh, is trying to downplay it every at every turn and a lot of people in conservative media are making a big deal about how um, you know well they're changing the definition of what recession means. Um, even though that there's a lot of economists that don't go by the two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth as recession, a lot of a lot of economists don't go by that. Um, uh, I, I'm trying to find it. Um, uh, so, um, uh, Ryan McMakin from the from the Mises Institute wrote a good piece this today about this, and uh, he kind of lays it out, lays it out of what 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 is a recession. So they're uh, they're not typically they're not actually lying when they say that the, that the two quarter definition is not the technical definition of a recession. The NP the NBER's definition is much broader. For example, the two thousand one recession did not feature uh, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. In fact, there is no technical definition of a recession at all. The two quarters definition is purely arbitrary and hardly based on some sort of economic law. It's something economists made up, and it is commonly used definition of recession. But to be sure, in a Google search of articles and recessions published prior to 2022 shows that both economists and pundits have routinely used the two quarters of contraction definition. That doesn't make it some kind of immutable standard for whether an economy is in recession or not. So the point is, is that um, just because... Uh, they're not using the word recession. Does not mean we're in one or we're not in one. Um, what, what you can see, the things that you can see, they are that are um, outliers of recession. Is if wages continue to fall behind inflation, called stagflation. If you see that, that's a good indicator indicator that the economy is going down or is it is down. Um, 
Uh, and if GDP numbers do show another contraction in the second quarter, it will be increasingly hard to declare the current state of the economy as an expansion, <laughs> just because economists say no. So if you've got wages that are falling behind inflation, if there is no growth in the economy whatsoever, that's a good indicator that, hey, things are going down. But even in inflationary times, you may get positive news. You may get positive numbers. That does tend to happen sometimes. So, but don't fall for, oh, well, they're changing the definition. Here they go again. You know, there's a thousand genders and now there's a thousand definitions for whatever a recession means. No, there never was a hard and fast rule to begin with. It was just an arbitrary thing that, that economists and pundits made up to, to, to write headlines, to write clickbait. That's all it was. So if you want to use the two quarters of negative growth, that's fine. But just because you have two quarters of negative growth doesn't mean everything is falling apart necessarily. Now, in our case, it, well, that's just, that's just another symptom of the problem. <laughs> that's what that is. Just another symptom of the problem. Not an act. Does that make sense? Look, it's not a recession if you, you believe, believe it. Right. Does that make sense? No, it does. So, because I, 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 was, I was ready to, to, to start breathing fire through the microphone today about how you know, Janet Yellen, the Biden administration, or they're trying to change the definition yet again. What, what, the, what, what the, it depends on what the definition of is, is. That's what I thought they were doing. But really, once you, once you, once you read that, it's like, um, well, maybe there's a, more to the story, as usually there always is. But Look, you know, I, I, do, think, I do think that it's rich that, you know, yes... Yes, most not every economist follows the two the two quarters of negative GDP as a recession. That is true, but it's a it's a good indicator. it is a good indicator that things are not looking good. That that's usually where people go. Hmm, let's take a look at this because this Cheese is and not crackers, a chasing crackers, Batman. <laughs> I, I, that is two negative quarters. But I think it's funny that. That they're coming out and saying, "Oh no 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 no, we are changing the definition." Yeah, um, it would be like it'd be like saying, um, "I don't know what's the drinking limit in Georgia." I don't know, but it's like what's like zero point zero eight or whatever. I don't, I don't know. know. Um, but it'd be like blowing a zero point zero eight and then saying, "Oh no, we're gonna change it to to to, to zero point one zero. I'm, I'm no one's <laughs> yeah. no one's drunk driving now. Uh, let's just keep let's just let's just keep changing the rules so we don't lose. That's yeah. just how this is how this game works. It's like you know, it's not insider trading if you play hot or cold. That's true. <laughs> that <laughs> is true. I'm gonna point my finger over these stocks. Which one should I pick, hot or cold? <laughs> a wink and a nod. That's not insider trading. <laughs> anyway, give but, me a give me a blue light for for this stock and a yeah. red light for the other. Okay. So I don't know if you saw this today. Speaking of. Uh, interest rate hikes and inflation and everything. Um, There was an article that I read from Steve Forbes about the misguided Federal Reserve thinks putting people out of work and crippling the economy will rescue America, but they're just uh, uh, speeding our return to the dark days of the 1970s stagflation. And the point that he's making is, is that the interest rate hikes are going to damage the economy. Instead of damaging the economy by interest rate hikes, they should be you know, what's the old supply side, deregulate, you know, lower taxes, all that stuff. Um, he said that's that, 
raising interest rates is not the most ideal way to deal with inflation. Now, cutting spending and burning off a large part of the money supply, yeah, that that would do it. But what do you think about that? Not raising interest rates? Because they got to come up at some point. Yeah, they can't stay zero forever. I mean, even back before COVID, they were still, um, I mean, like, they weren't zero. So that at some point, they would have to come back up. So he says the Reserve believes that its role fighting inflation is to raise interest rates, depressing the economy and stopping people from buying the goods and services they need at a time when the nation is already tearing on the brink of recession. But putting people out of work and deliberately crippling America's economic growth is not the way uh, to to get back to a vibrant economy. It's a cure to the wrong disease. The biggest factor driving the current inflationary situation is non-monetary meaning that it has nothing to do with how many dollars are circulating in the economy. Non-monetary causes of inflation are factors like supply and chain disruptions, which are often the results of events like war, hurricanes, and pandemics. Um, the, you know, the virus-related shutdowns and stuff like that, the complex global delivery systems. Hiking interest rates uh, do nothing to address this problem. The overwhelming problem today is too little supply, but apparently the Fed believes inflation is the result of too much demand. For the average American families, the price of these you know, will be higher, higher rents, higher mortgage payments, and so on and so forth. Um, less money saved for education, retirement, and, and dimmer economic future, making people poorer. Uh, you know, of course, the, the giving away of unemployment benefits, the, the, the $1,200 checks, uh, helped fuel today's inflation. Um, but my point, uh, Steve Forbes, and I, you are a much smarter cookie than I am, um, but how it is a monetary problem. The current crisis that we're in that we'll, that, we'll, that we will continue to face is a monetary problem. You rightly pointed out the, the stimulus checks and the, the unemployment benefits and the lavish you know stimulus for in, you know the PPE loans and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a problem. But uh, supply chain, you know, yeah, that's a problem too. but just printing money, without end for decade for almost a for almost a decade uh that's a problem too so it is a monetary problem there is too much money in circulation that's what inflation is so so his his solution here towards the end is i gotta scroll all the way down the stupid article so long um you know his 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 solution is you know cut taxes Cut, t- cut taxes, cut taxes and regulations, and stop their political motivated, uh, politically motivated spending binges. Um, and he also says, "Return of the, the old Bretton Woods system, the gold standard." Announced they will closely follow the golden commodity prices, as, as Greenspan did. Um, the, the Federal Reserve should focus on stabilizing the dollar instead of uh, interventionally inflicting gain on people who, with little positive economic growth, economic growth to show for it. Um, first of all, the whole idea of going back to the gold standard is a pipe dream. That's never going to happen anytime soon. And just saying, oh, well, to fix this problem, man, we just got to go back on the gold standard. We don't, do you know what happens when your money is tied to gold and commodity prices? Jacob, what's one thing that what's one thing you have to have if your money is tied to an actual good? What, gold. What, no, what's one thing that you have to have? What's one thing? Gold. No, 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 no. no. Not just gold, but what's one thing that you have to have to make money? Interest right. rates. Yeah. 
interest rates. No one's going to loan you money if it's backed by gold at a 0.05 interest rate. That's not going to happen, Steve. That's, that's stupid. How can you say in the same breath, oh, it's non-monetary. Raising interest rates won't fix anything. And at the same time, oh, we got to go back on the gold standard. That doesn't even make any sense. Now, I could be completely wrong. I might be. But that's it. Is that it? Might making sense, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, you have to have interest rates. Um, even if you're on a gold standard, um, <clears throat> you still have to have a way. Interest rates, the price of money. You still have to have a price to acquire money. Um, money shouldn't be easy to to, to necessarily get. Credit should be hard to um, get. Yeah, yeah. So credit is inc- is incredibly important for the health of of an economy. Um, and of course, you know. <clears throat> I think the interest rates, you know, should fluctuate with, you know, the health of the economy. Of course, I don't think fixed interest rates are necessarily a good thing for the health of, a, of, get a, a mortgage. of an economy. Well, then again, the health of an economy. Right. Um, but, you know, even if you had, even if we traded in paper notes that you could, you could exchange, uh, there were the equivalent of, of exchanging in gold, because I think you're still going to have to have, <clears throat> some type of uh, note to represent that gold because no one's carrying on a b- bunch of gold coins or, you know, silver coins if they, you know, give gold's too expensive. You know, obviously you can't, you, you can't, what do you got to carry around like 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 a gram of gold to go buy Yeah, good dinner. luck not losing that. Yeah, I think you're still, you'll, you'll still have to have um, a paper note to represent that or, you know, whether an electronic, um, you know, if you use a your credit card. on your forehead? No, <laughs> just kidding. You have, a, you, have a, you, have a, you have a credit card and you'll pay that way, but uh, no one's gonna want to carry around a, a, a bunch of gold coins and rightfully so. But even if you had a gold standard, um, as we did, uh, so before the Fed, um, you still have, you still have to have to have, have to have interest rates. You still have to have the ability to to lend to borrow, um, and credit is still important. It doesn't matter. You can have. You can have Bitcoin or whatever, insert whatever currency. You have to have interest rates for the health of an economy. Uh, if you didn't have interest rates, then <clears throat> then the, 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 the growth, interest rates allow economy to grow. It allows the allows people to, to borrow money. It allows for um, risk taking and allows for economic growth. Without interest rates, you can't have an explosion of economic growth. And you can't have entrepreneurship without interest rates. And it also protects the economy as well. <clears throat> Yes. Because because you won't give loans to risky people. Yes, it, it protects the economy from from giving out bad loans to people, and it also and protects. It's a, and it's another reason why low interest rates. The reason why we're we're in the situation that we're in is because they've been so dang low for so dang long, and so many people who shouldn't have gotten their hands on this money got their hands on money and spent it foolish way in foolish ways. So it yes. Yes, of course. Would it be better if we were on the gold standard? Yeah, no one's denying that unless you're Paul Krugman or Jan- Janet Yellen, maybe. No one's denying that besides the crazy people. But let's but let's be realistic here. That's not going to happen. Just saying, oh, well, you know, if if we just got back on the gold standard, everything would be perfect. That, that That's not reality. Mm-hmm. Let's think in terms of reality. What is one thing that the Fed can do? Yes, it's going to bring pain. But at some point, you gotta you gotta reset things back to to, to normal, because if you don't, then we're just we're, we will continue this cycle forever and ever and ever. 
Like I, like I said, like I've said numerous times, as Americans, we're trained never to see the downside in anything. That's why you have people saying, "Oh well, let's just print more money. Let's not pay taxes and let's just print money." No, that's why people. That's why people are never allowed to see the stock market go down. That's why it's always a bad thing. Bear markets are not allowed. Bear markets are not allowed. You, you, people are are flipping the are flipping their crap over the cryptocurrencies that have just cratered. They've gone up a little bit today because Powell said they might be. Well, everything's gone up today. Yeah. Well, Powell said they may not have any more interest rate hikes. They might slow the rate hikes in the future. Who knows what that? Who knows what will actually happen? But all the speculators are out in full force today, buying, 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 buying. But I don't know. Maybe I'm an idiot. It's entirely possible. That's entirely possible. Maybe I've got this all wrong. But from all of the, the economic theory that I've read, from all the economists that I've listened to, have all said that it's not an easy solution. It's not an easy fix. And going after these pipe dreams of the gold standard and all this, it's just, it's just not reality. Well, I, the idea of the gold standard is that it fixes a lot of the problems. That It most certainly does, but that's just, a lot of it's just not going to happen. Um, but, I mean, theoretically, you can still have a fiat system in place um, if you were to have interest rates that weren't centrally controlled. Sure. You you have a market driven if, if if everybody just trusted right because essentially that's what the U.S. dollar is. The U.S. dollar has value because the U.S. government says it has value, and and as long as we all accept that, then everything works. It, it all it, it, it all it all works. Um, but um, where we get into trouble with inflation is when we start manipulating interest rates artificially and don't allow the and don't allow the market to to work. So. If you have larger banks who say, "Oh, we're not getting enough, um, enough, enough loans," let's try lowering interest rates a little bit. Oh, well, you know, we can't lower them too much because we have to cover all of our deposits and all of our um, money that we have in our uh, on our books. We can't have it too low. So you have this balancing act where people will try to encourage savings while at the same time lending out money, and then instead you would have. I don't, I don't know. Some people don't like larger banks, but um, larger banks are just a symptom of the problem. They're not. They're not the problem. I know people like to hate on, and I like to make fun of the large banks too, as well. The big banks, but too big to fail. But they are just a symptom of the problem. They are the drunk at the bar, and the Fed is the bartender who who keeps giving them alcohol. Who is the one in the situation who is the, the problem? Yeah, who is the problem in the situation? That's, that's what we have. Um, so yes, listen. There's, there's a lot of shady practices that a lot of the larger national banks have that I'm not cool with, but um, they're not they're not the ones that you should be directing all of your attention to. Like, sure, yes, call out bad practices, but the people we should be more upset with is the Fed. We should be upset with the Fed. We should be upset with their artificially manipulating of interest rates and not allowing the market to decide that. You know, if the if the Fed had market data and said, oh, "Okay, well, you know, they're 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 way too low. We got to raise them up to the point where that fixes that." No, they act on a political cycle instead of rather looking at data, which is why, which is why um, there was a report that came out. Uh, there's not a report, sorry, it's a tweet I saw, and it said, um, "You know, all the smartest pH, all the smartest men and women when it comes to." 
the economy, PhDs in economics work, work at the Fed, and yet they couldn't see this inflation coming. Now, whether they did and did nothing about it, or if they didn't see it, it's because they're operating from a flawed ideology. It's a flawed monetary ideology. And whether it was complete ignorance, or whether they intentionally, or, or whether they, they did see it, but intentionally did nothing, both things still point to the fact that they are coming from a flawed ideology, a flawed economic ideology that has been beaten to death so many times that we have split the atoms of this Keynesian MMT um, philosophy of economics, that it has failed. And what happened in 2020 and what is happening now is just further evidence that all the Austrians, myself and Joe included, have just been like, yeah, well, we told you. We so. told you. Told us, told you the inflation was coming. We told you this was going to happen sooner or later. It's funny how Steve Forbes said that the Fed should focus on stabilizing the U.S. dollar, whilst yet ignoring a hundred years of history of them doing the quite opposite. If you think that they can actually do that, well, then I got a lab in Wuhan I want to sell you. Yeah. So I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, come on. Come on. Uh, come on. Uh, so yeah, anyway, that is about. Oh, what else we going to talk about? I've got one more thing. Okay. I, I, this is just me taking a victory lap because we've been gone for so long. I, I just can't help myself with taking another victory lap. Well, go for it. Um, so uh, I, everyone remembers my epic rant on uh, on Live Golf. Everybody remember, remembers that, right? Sure. Everybody remembers yeah. my epic rant on Live Golf. Oh, oh, yeah. I talk about it all the time. You know, someone someone the other day was like, hey, Jacob, you know that, that rant on Live Golf that Joe did? That was great. I was like, yeah, man, I, I know. Yeah. What's your name again? <laughs> Who are you? Do I know you? Do I know you? You're that crazy guy. Um, anyway, so um, as as everyone in the, I guess, the mainstream sports media is failing to see is that there is a, going to be a potential merger. It's just my, this is my theory. There will be a merger between Live Golf and the PGA. It's coming, and it's going to be huge, as Trump would say. Huge, okay? Huge. All right? Because not only because they're playing a, an event at his Bedminster course up there in New York, which he's going to play along with Dustin Johnson and uh, Bryson DeChambeau, which is actually going to be kind of fun to watch. But anyway, further to my point, the big shoe to drop, quite literally, the big shoe to drop was Charles Barkley is potentially going to join or has joined Live Golf as a commentator. You know, do you get what I did there, the big shoe? <laughs> I, okay. Anyway, so Charles Barkley might be joined. David Flaherty, he's a big-time golf commentator. He's joined. Bubba Watson just joined. Bryson DeChambeau joined. There was another player from the DP World Tour, I think, Henrik Stinshan from some European country. He joined. He's a big time over there in Europe. He just joined. Folks, it's inevitable. They're going to take over. It's going to happen. So listen, Brandel Shambly from the Golf Network. I know you don't like it. I know it, it just it rubs you the wrong way in every which way. I get it. But this is the way things are now. For far too long, the PJ has, has ran this monopoly of just railroading the players. Did you realize, Brandel, that when uh, Phil Mickelson wanted to get videos of himself playing in PGA events, he had to buy them from the PGA? D did you not realize that there, Brandel? And this just proves me right yet again. I go to, I think it was, uh, was Wednesday, no, it was Tuesday, yesterday. I go to play nine holes at a local club here in where we live in the middle of nowhere, none of your business. Um, I, I go in the clubhouse, and usually in the clubhouses in these golf, sh in these um, 
uh, at these courses, they have the, they have TVs and they usually don't, they're on the golf channel. Get it? Golf course, golf whatever. Um, but the last couple times that I've seen this guy who's running the counter, he doesn't have the golf channel on. He always he has like the news on or something else on. And I he saw me looking up the TV and he says, "Man, I just can't take the golf channel BS anymore." <laughs> And I, I, I kind of chuckled. We talked about it for a second. He, he said, I just can't take the, the golf channel BS. <laughs> and I said, I especially have to turn off when they start talking about live golf. And he said, oh, son, don't get me started. And I, I told him, I said, I will never fault someone for wanting to make more money. He said, my point exactly. I said, I get you might have a problem where the money's coming from. But if you're going to call them independent contractors and not treat them like independent contractors, are you surprised? Are you surprised? And you said my point exactly. So, if 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 the guy who runs the counter at the local golf course in middle of nowhere, none of your business, Georgia, if he gets it, then you can too, Golf Channel. Okay, just get over yourselves. Okay, and you know what? I don't agree with Trump on a lot of things, but I agree with Trump on this. They've got it going on. The Live Golf people. They they know what they're doing. They just announced that next year there's going to be I think either 14 or 16 events. Do you know how much money they're putting up for it? 405 million dollars. Point of comparison, the 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 PGA event that's going to go on this weekend. I think it's the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Yeah, everyone's dying to play in that. <laughs> Rocket. Do you know what the purse is? Like eight million bucks for over a hundred people that are probably going to compete in that. The winner might walk away with like a half a million dollars, which is still a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But how can you compete? How can you sit there and say, we are the best thing for golf? We are the best for golf. The PJ is the best when you're offering $8 million purse for an event. Well, Live Golf is offering, I think the, the average is like $25 million purse. How can you say you're the best? Answer? Daily Double, there it is. Uh, you can't. You can't. Thank you, Alex. You can't. So, you can dislike it all you want. You can say, oh, the, the oh, Jamal Khashoggi, all you want. Now, keep in mind. Just keep in mind, every time you fill up your tank, just put a mental picture of Jamal Khashoggi in your mind every time you put gas in your car. Every Anytime you see one of those uh, Joe Biden stickers that says, I did this, just put Jamal Khashoggi's face over Biden's face when he's pointing at the gas price. Just do that for me. Because that's what you're doing. When Biden's not falling off a bicycle, he's falling on his knees with gas can in hand to the Saudi crown princes begging them to lower oil prices, begging them to increase production. So don't don't give me your tales of woe. Don't give me any of that. Because we're all just as guilty as they are when it comes to these types of things. Because we fund it, and we need their money for our economy. So you can dislike it all you want, but every time you go every time you go put gas in your car, just just picture Jamal Khashoggi's face. Uh, that that's the end of that. Anyway. Alrighty. <laughs> Alrighty. You just ranted about golf for five minutes. There you go. Um, I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about? Anything else? Any final uh, hints of wisdom or anything you wanted to mention? Um, I think uh, I think it's, I think it comes out in September. The new Power of the Rings, the new Lord of the Rings show on Amazon. <clears throat> I think it comes out in September. I'm gonna. I think I'm thinking I might watch it. I know we kind of uh, you know uh, ran it over, backed up, and ran over again when we saw the initial trailers and the so-called super fans. <laughs> Remember that video? <laughs> 
<laughs> it sounds hot, you know. Um, that was. Yeah, I I might, I might watch the first episode. No, I, we'll I, see. No, I can't. I we'll couldn't. See. I couldn't watch that. Um, they announced more uh, Marvel stuff. I don't know if you saw that or not. Oh, I've got okay. Again, with the Marvel thing, here's the deal. They knew they knew that these movies that they made were going to be absolute trash. Like you thought that uh, that Multiverse of Madness was bad. For what I hear, Lo- Thor: Love and Thunder was bleeding from the eyes, bad. Bleeding from the eyes, bad. So they knew that these that these uh, these shows were going to be a, a huge swing and a miss, like Joey Gallo. Um, <clears throat> so they quickly, quickly. Whilst these movies were still being made, they were like, "All right, all right, we're we're ditching the f- uh, phase four. We're going back to what we know it works. Bring back the Infinity Wars. Bring back all these interconnected stories. We're going back to what works." And my theory is, is that it's not going to work to the same level that we saw previously. With I guess it was it Phase three or the Infinity, the Infinity story with you phase know Phase three is what is what led up to Endgame. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not it will nowhere near eclipse those heights because like myself and so many other people we have superhero fatigue we are just tired of these movies and you know marvel thought that they could do the quick you know the witty humor the the one-liners the joke in every die the joke in every sentence kind of kind of thing with their movies they can't from when i hear thor was just one big joke Quite literally and figuratively, one big joke, because it's a big joke. Um, but they know they can't do that, so they have to go back to the. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Never mind. Um, they they know that they they know that this doesn't work. They know it, it won't work. What they were doing before, so they're like, you know what? Let's go back to the form that made us money. Let's just tell interesting stories about characters that people know about. And let's not, you know, let's not suspend their disbelief enough with all this woke and nonsense. Let's just tell a good story. Maybe that'll put people in the seats. I don't know. It's a, it's a wild idea. But now that the, all the interesting stories have been told about Captain America, Iron Man, the big green guy, the the doctor guy, the uh, the, the ant guy, um, uh, oh. All of the bug theme superheroes, the, 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 the bugs, and the, the the one guy with the with the uh, the arrow with the suction cups on it. The um, uh, who's the 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 not the guy with the rock in his forehead, and all. What's those, those stories have been told, right? What else is there? What else is left? Are there any more like r- truly compelling characters in the catalog of Marvel? Are there? What else is there? I'm guessing it's going to be pretty slim, because if they're trotting out, you know, just Characters that were sketching on a cocktail napkin between uh, the Stan Lee and his what's his face, it ain't, it ain't gonna sell. So, and you know what? Secretly, in my darkest hearts of hearts, in the in the bowels of my heart, I kind of want it to fail because I'm probably so, will because I'm so tired of this crap, the CGI crap that's just been thrown up into our mouths. I'm just, I'm just done with it. I'm done with Marvel. Marvel die. The same with Star Wars. Star Wars, die! You're silly. You're stupid. Like they, they keep, they keep really. There's, there's yet another trailer for another, Di- for another Disney Star Wars show. <laughs> Enough! 
enough. It's gonna be about. A, it's gonna. It will be a, as a compelling story as Wade was from Kenobi. If you know, if you've seen the show, you know the reference. A guy that was in the show for all of twenty seconds and had a huge funeral send off. It's gonna be as compelling as that. Mark my words. And if I'm wrong, eh, so what? No one listens to this anyway. So yeah, Marvel, Star Wars, die. I don't want Star Wars to die. I, no, I want Star, Star Wars had, needs to go away for a while. Star Wars they had compelling stories. Star Wars needs to go uh, away for a while. Tell me for this, okay? Tell me this, and I have one thing I want to say. If Star Wars was still making compelling stories that were worthwhile and worth your attention, would you still want it to die? I think it needs to go away for a while. Yes, it's not. It's not my question. Yes, if they were still making, if if you got the Empire Strikes Back. If the sequel trilogy was as good as it, if the sequel trilogy was as good as the original trilogy, would you be like, "Okay, it's time for time for a break"? I, that's I don't think that's a realistic question because that's that's not possible. That's never happened. No, but I'm saying though is that if the if the content we were getting was compelling and good, and we all agreed this was great, would you still have the same opinion that it's in the, that it should go die? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know because as we've seen, that I think that the, the the Star Wars is best years are behind it. The first well, no, the I, first I two movies were great. Return of the Jedi, a little squishy. The prequels, good ideas, but bad execution. Does that make sense? Yeah. Good ideas, fair... bad execution. I mean George Lucas really went he really did go too far in a lot of places because you know it's like poetry. That's to rhyme and That's everything. That's to rhyme, that's right. And then Disney Star Wars has been a, a complete dumpster fire of it's bad just, ideas and bad execution. <laughs> yeah, bad ideas and bad execution. Like George Lucas literally handed them a silver platter, a silver platter plated in gold with gold bars on it that were plated in silver. That's what he handed them, and then they just kind of threw that in the trash and went with the crap that that the that Kathleen Kennedy dreamed up and Ryan Johnson dreamed up in their bowels of hell um, when it comes to Star Wars. What needs to happen? Star Wars, Disney, dude, take a break. Let it die for a couple of years, right? You know how long people waited between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back? What was it, like three years? Probably, I don't know. Between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, it was probably like two years? Why? Because it builds momentum. You watch, the, you watch the, the previous movie a couple times. You get invested in the stories. You know the characters. It's not just a constant barrage of content. Like it is with Disney Star Wars, right? As soon as Kenobi ends, oh, here's the next show. As soon as that ends, oh, here's the next show, right? As soon as Mandalorian ended, oh, here's the book of Boba Fett. As soon as that ended, oh, here's Kenobi. You know, it's it's too much. It's, stop. There's this kind of thing like, you know, you slowly release the lightning in the bottle. That's how you build a brain. That's how you build a character. Like, if, if George Lucas had filmed and edited and had all three movies done, that way he, he could release them, you know, A New Hope in, in this month, Empire Strikes Back in this month, and Return of the Jedi in this month, it wouldn't have been as great because it was the time in between the movies that kind of it kind of really built it up. It made you excited to go see the next one, and that's where I got burned out with the Marvel movies because like every it's like every it's like every six months there was a new big blockbuster coming out. It's like it's it's too much. I, I, I don't remember what happened in the last movie. It's too much. It's too much. I can't do it. So again, take a break. This this constant barrage of you know we'll just you know binge Netflix everything needs to go away for a while. Like when Stranger Things released their season four, they did it in part one and part two. 
a lot of shows on Hulu and HBO Max, they don't release all the episodes at once. They slowly release it. Because it keeps the audience engaged because they don't they don't binge the whole thing in two hours and watch all of it. And like, oh, what's next? What's next? Does it make sense? I, I am totally lost. How are you lost? I'm, I'm making salient, valid points here. Totally lost. Whatever. It is completely lost on me with what this entire rant was about. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah. I, I got <laughs> no, you agree. I got I, I got nothing for you. You agree. I think that if they're making compelling stuff, you wouldn't you wouldn't um you wouldn't have this attitude. That's all I'm gonna say. Because uh, just as if a band were to release a record every single year that was fantastic, you wouldn't. I'm like, oh, well, take t- take a break, man. Take a break. You're all washed. Take a break. Go back to the drawing board. Take a break. Um, so, yeah. Um, anything else, Joe? Anything else? I could probably think of something. Um, one thing that I uh, have taken an appreciation for, and this is going to go into a bit of a quick little um, rant that I want to go little on. Little ditty. Um, my last class was about art, and I really enjoyed learning about different types of art and got a new a new affinity for all types of art you know i've been on this music um i've been really focusing on music this year um whether it be through playing music learning more music theory collecting music reviewing music Um, but now with the visual arts as well um this kind of bleeds into movies and stuff like that and some of the some of the pioneers behind music and some of the people that 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 took their time to make the world beautiful and you know I think we are missing some of that today. I think we're missing that. I think that people don't really go out and try to find things that are beautiful and gl- and try to glorify their life with beauty. Um, that's one thing I think that we are missing in this world today. Uh, the fact that um, some people don't have you know you don't have to go spend thousands of dollars on it, but you know hey find find a piece of work that that really makes you feel happy and you know and and speaks to you and is beautiful. Because what I found is that when it comes to music and when it comes to my, you know, for one of my assignments, I had to go to the the High Museum of Art in Atlanta, which is fantastic, by the way. Oh, my gosh. If you if you love art and you just love um, appreciating greatness, that is a fantastic place to go spend a long afternoon. It was like it was like 16 bucks to get in. Well worth the drive up to Atlanta for that. Um, but what about us? I walked to these halls. I just was just just dumbfounded by just the sheer beauty and the the thought and the skill that goes into this and how I, I don't know what happens in, in society where we lost this um, affinity for artists whether it be music or film or or painting or whatever um, there doesn't seem to be this affinity so much anymore you know yes we do have people that do look up to certain musicians and yes that is true and there are a lot of music- a lot of musicians that are incredibly talented who are very popular and I'm not I'm not talking about that but what I'm talking about though is that most people if you talk if you name name a person that you that you at that you um admire or we take or we take the, the top 10 most famous people in the world um how many of them are really that creative or how many of them have really contributed that much beauty to society um Compared to generations of the past, as we kind of look back now, um, with like I guess with, with with hindsight, we kind of look back at these people and how I've been really looking at 
uh, I know it's it's trendy or not say trendy, but it's kind of corny. But people like look people like Bob Ross, who who literally spent his entire life just teaching people how to paint, paint pictures of sticks and rocks and mountains. The uh, the joy of painting. The the joy of painting, man. Bro, that guy went out there day in and day out and painted literally the same painting over and over again. But you know why he did it? So maybe one day someone could take that video and enrich their lives through a simple painting. Or someone like Walt Disney who dedicated his entire life to making people happy and who literally sacrificed every dime that he owned to build Disneyland. Or people like Jim Henson or... Um, Mr. Rogers or Steve Irwin, all, the, all these people out there who tried to make the world a, a better place, right? That was their whole goal was to make other people happy, make the world a better place. And that the reason we look back at these men who are, who are all passed away at this point with such reverence and such um, joy whenever you bring up their, their names is because they had a positive lasting impact on people. And, you know, I hate to, I hate to sound, to sound like a boomer, but are any of these people, you know, there are there are some musicians who I think will stand the test of time right now. But you know, these people that people view on Instagram or TikTok or Facebook, are, they, are any of these people putting a positive contribution to society in a beautiful way? It isn't, you don't have to be anything artistic. Steve Irwin wasn't artistic, but yet he had a positive contribution on society and the world through conservation and through wildlife and also through an entertaining show that encouraged people to do the same. Where's that? No, you have people who do the, what's that dumb uh, challenge where they would take a, a, a USB brick and they would, they, they, they'd put a penny behind it so it would short out the outlet. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah I've seen stupid, like the bottle yeah, flipping. Yeah, you've seen these challenges, and these people get celebrity styles because of these challenges. Look, um, shorting out your house's circuit breaker is not a challenge. This is stupid. There's no, that's, that's not a challenge, or the or the dance really fast challenge, or do this stupid dance challenge. That's not a challenge. There's no risk involved in that. Uh, a challenge is more like, um, See how long you can hold your breath underwater without blacking out or going to Arlington National Cemetery and slapping a tomb guard. That's a challenge. That's just dumb. Well, you know, that's, that's a challenge. That, that, is a, that is a challenge that inquires, that has Some risks risk. involved yeah. with it. Bodily harm. Bodily harm, definitely. <laughs> See how fast you can run. Look, look, if someone were to do that hashtag challenge, I'd probably watch. You would catch my attention because, you know, I think that we need to start something like that. We need to start these challenges, start, 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 start these trends to, to Darwin's evolution is not going fast enough. Okay. We need to speed this up. <laughs> we need to weed these people out. We need to out. weed these people out of society. <laughs> so we need to start the slap a tomb sentinel challenge. So all these jokers will fly to Arlington and slap one of these guys in the face so they can, so they can be removed from society. That's actually not a bad idea, but I have, I think I have an answer for your, for your, for your query yes. about, um, reason why we don't regard like famous artists whether it be sculptures paintings we don't regard people like walt disney Where is that people that bring positivity people that bring joy that bring into pos- their lives. positivity in the world in like even like like famous musicians why because i'll tell you why it's a physical and emotional connection 
What's the physical emotion connection that people have with music? Well, for one, you actually had to physically go and buy the record. You had to physically go and buy the vinyl or CD. See, you had some skin in the game, so to speak. It wasn't just free to stream. So <clears throat> if you really liked an artist, you had to go to the store, find it, and actually put money into it. You had some skin in the game. And you, if it's an artist you like, you enjoyed it, and you passed that on to your posterity. Same thing with Walt Disney. The, the 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 parks that he created, the content he created, fostered so many memorable moments in people's lives, right? You go to Disney, it's an experience. You buy the t-shirt, it's a memory. It's a token of, hey, when I was seven years old, my mom and dad took me to Disney. And we had just the grandest of times. It's the emotional and physical connection. With Steve Irwin, hey, maybe you look at wildlife differently. Hey, maybe you think twice about... You know, treating animals in a bad way. I mean, you think twice about throwing trash in the river. You think differently about things. You don't get that when you watch Jake and Logan Paul videos. When you watch him try to go be a boxer. You don't get that. You don't get that when you're you, when you're forking over money to buy these stupid pump and dump cryptos from Save the Kids or whatever it's called. You don't get that. You don't get that from Instagram. You don't get that from TikTok. When you, when you look at paintings, it's when you look at architecture, it's the testament to time. It's the testament, hey, we're going to build something beautiful. It's the physical and emotional connection. And you don't get that from your phone or from your, I guess, yeah, from your phone. Nobody uses a computer these days anymore unless you're working. <laughs> but does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. And I think that is one of the things that I wish that we grasped held to. Uh, more and more and I think the encouragement that I've always had is I I tweeted out about about two weeks ago and I said you know if you want to make a positive contribution to your life I would say even if you don't have a vinyl record player and 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 you know visual arts are your thing and you like music more cool even if you don't have a vinyl record player go out and buy the vinyl of your favorite your favorite artist or just whoever because i think vinyl something different about it, and i've experienced this too it's something you know it's i have a lot of cds too also have also have some cassettes and they're fine i love cds and cassettes but a vinyl is so big and like I mean, hold on it's just something like this no one's watching jacob i'm just gonna just prove a point just just stop is it really much does it really matter which one you grab uh hold on Ooh, grab that blue lightning one. No. <laughs> I don't want to grab that one. Here, I'll grab this Rush one here. All right, this is this is Rush Live, a show of hands. This is their 1987 uh, concert series they did off of their more new wave stuff. Whenever you hold this, it's so much more detail, and you're, you're holding something of substance. You're it's holding, a physical thing. What I'm saying, though, is that it's it, it, it takes up space. It is large, and it's also something that, that you can display. You can buy a little $5 record cover or record stand, and it'll stand up on its own. And it is something to display, and it's almost as a piece of art um, that showcases your tastes and what you personally like. And if, you know, music's not really your thing, you more visual thing, go out and buy a piece of art. Go out and buy something that you just find that just... Or just have copies of movies. Copies of films, but I'm saying something that is artistically driven that you can display. I think that's important, and I think that um, that so, you know I have my entire collection of records that I look at, and you know 
I can look at the the whenever I see this cabinet of, of records or the shelf, I see blood, sweat, and tears from artists that I love, and I see, um, I see passion, and I see love, all all over this shelf and all over my wall. And the same thing with my art. You know, I have I have some pictures of um, some prints on my walls as well that I see an artist who toiled over this and tried to create something of a positive contribution to society. And I think we need more of that. I think we need more of people going out and buying uh, beautiful pieces of beautiful pictures and beautiful music um, that they love and less uh, TikTok and Instagram. Which, again, I, I don't know how all of these things just keep looping back to our dislike of social media, especially the uh, TikToks and the Instagrams. But, you know, I, I, you know. I am on Twitter more and more just to just to honestly just keep it on the news because I just find out stuff way faster on there. But uh, it, it, as vile as it is, I don't think it is as vile as some of the uh, the um, trends that happen on these other sites as well. I just I just don't find it to be as um, abysmal and as depressing as those. But yeah, I, I just I just had an epiphany. And, and, you know, whenever you start seeing one aspect of your life as glorious and beautiful, I think that it begins to infect everything else and it has a cascading effect on, on everything else of your life. So that's my encouragement. My encouragement is to go out and to seek things that are beautiful and seek things that somebody put time and effort into. Um, and, you know, whether that is you going to an art gallery, you picking up a paintbrush, and uh, going and, and striking the canvas, or you picking up a piano or a guitar and just just plucking along and making something nice. I think people need more of that. Need more creativity and ingenuity in people's lives. So I think it's just a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a message for, there for people. Don't just be a consumer. Yeah, don't be a consumer. Create something great because it it gives you pride, man. It, it really does. You know, I don't. I'm not, not not the best music writer, but I do play music. S- something something just gives you gives you pride and gives you a sense of accomplishment whenever you create something. It's it's a Unless feeling. You hate it. But even if you don't like it at first, it's something that like, hey, I've accomplished. I've done something creative. There's just there's no other feeling in the world than than that. I just think it's a very unique human experience that we are blessed to have. And I think a lot of people take it for granted. Sure. Podcast coming to a close, coming to an end. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the the uh, Standing Brothers, return. the Standing Brothers rant. Um, is what these are quickly turning into. Links in the description, of course, will be for everything. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter at jstandards underscore, link uh, will be to the album of the year account, Patreon, all that kind of fun stuff down there. And t-shirts if you want to buy a t-shirt for the store. And, uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything else. Joe, any, I don't, I think, I think, I think, I think that's it. Griffin, uh, Tranquility Base here. Did you go over to my office? Yeah, Roger, Blake. Tranquility, we copied you on the ground. We got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot.